0: What's up, traders? Welcome to the Day Trading Show. Today, I sit down with Tom Basso. Tom and I have sat down many times before. Some of you know him through my channel. If you don't know him through my channel, you know him as the market wizard through Jack Schwager's book. So today, we talk to Tom about his newest book, The All-Weather Trader. We talk about trading strategy. We talk about building the ultimate trader lifestyle, things that every trader can relate to. So sit back and enjoy this episode. You guys are going to love it. All right, everybody, we are sitting down with the legend, the market wizard, Mr. Tom Basso. Tom, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Good to
1: see you, Austin.
0: It's uh, it's funny. Tom and I were just chatting before we started the podcast. I had a massage today. Tom's on a staycation. He had a massage today. He's headed to the pool. I'm headed to the pool. We're cut from the same cloth today. He's in Arizona, <laughs> but I'm in Florida. But it's the same vibe. It's that that trader yeah. lifestyle that everybody wants. And you mentioned that already, Tom. So we're gonna get into all that stuff. But before we get into that, tell everybody about the new book. Catch us up on what inspired the new book. And, and you do uh, what inspired
1: it was I, you know, as you know, because you're one of the people that have done it. Uh, I get a lot of interviews. And I started realizing that a lot of the things I talk about, you know, in an interview situation, if somebody asks me a question about, say, position sizing, where I need to have some formulas involved, it's really hard to talk somebody through that answer in a way that everybody could understand it. But it's pretty easy to write about it and then end up uh, just simply, you know, putting it on a page with the formulas and this is how you do it. And so there was a lot of those types of things. Like, what is a complete trading strategy? Well, it involves a lot of different aspects from my view. How about we take a page and put a graphic on there that has the entire complete trading strategy all in one place from my viewpoint. Now, other people may have different views as to what constitutes a full trading strategy. But my point is, it's so much easier to pull all this together. And then we were starting to think about with my uh, chairmanship uh, last three years plus of uh, standpoint funds down in um, Scottsdale, I, you know, uh, Eric Crittenden who runs the investments there is an all weather trader in my opinion. And so the term all weather trader kept coming up and I thought, you know, that's a good description of what I strive to do and what Eric strives to do. Why don't we try to come up with a way of telling people more about the, the concept of what mean, what's all weather trading means, trading up and down in sideways markets, and don't just get locked into being a short seller or locked into being a long only uh, only to the upside or locked into one market like I just trade FX or I just trade stocks or I just trade futures. or There's a world out there of different investments, different strategies, different time periods, so many things you can do to help your, stabilize your track record over time. And so we, uh, we started coming up with this concept, and I started laying out a little outline, and I thought, you know, I could do a whole book on this. This is easy. So I kind of, if you've ever read, read some of my uh, Substack pieces, the book is, and I think I sent you a copy, uh, is just me talking to the reader. It's, it's Tom in Eighth Grade Grammar Checker. Uh, telling you concepts about how to buy, sell, what a complete trading strategy is, position sizing, the mental side of trading, how to become your own all-weather trader, how to get started and stay on track. And I think that that's where um, it came together. And so far, it's received rave reviews. It's been a bestseller in like four different Amazon categories uh, over time. So uh, we're we're pleased. with the uh, launch last month, and I'm now just trying to settle down. That's why I'm on a staycation. Um, it, it's been kind of a whirlwind the last month.
0: That's good. That's, I mean, as you probably want it to be when the new book comes out. What yeah. book number is this for you? Because you've written a couple.
1: Well, I started out with something called The Frustrated Investor, which turned into panic-proof investing through yep. Wiley. Yep. Then I, uh, I actually wrote a, a small book on putting called Putting, The Easiest Stroke of Golf, in golf, I think it's called. And uh, that's sold about 15 copies, maybe. It's just something I read every now and again to remind myself how I should put. Um, and then I did the position sizing called uh, Successful Traders Size Their Positions, Why and How. And that's a, a real easy to read, uh, complete with formulas of what we've used at Trendstat back in the day when I was a money manager and what I still use today on how to size positions in both stock and futures markets or FX, I guess it would apply to. And then uh, I helped with the Covell's trend following mindset since I was the one that was sort of the focus of all the interviews. So he allowed me to sort of edit and clean up some of the lousy language I use. I guess in some cases, it just seemed like I repeated a few things. And then uh, I'm part of trend following masters, which is Michael's new book, a new interview there that we did. And then uh, this one, which is All Weather Trader, uh, Mr. Serenity's Thoughts on Trading Come Rain or Shine, I think it is.
0: I love that. I love that title. I love the graphic on the, the cover of the book. Can you maybe just elaborate a little bit more for the listeners? on the concept of all weather trader what does that mean because you know a lot of my well, listeners are younger guys that came into the market, yeah. 2020 bull market they don't know what different markets look like you know what i mean exactly. they're experiencing it for the first time now
1: <laughs> and as old as i am and as many years of trading as i've done uh i have seen it all just about uh, markets go through up and down and sideways in terms of just the stock market uh I believe when I ran a study of this and updated it recently, it was somewhere around 60% of the time you're in an up market, the way I measured it by by that study. Approximately 10% of the time you're in a down market. And there, excuse me, I I got that wrong. Sorry. Let's start over again. 60% of the time you're in a sideways market. Got it. 10% you're in a down market and the difference, which is 30%, you're in an up market. That makes now, sense. Now, if you take the last 10 years, you've had a lot of very strong up moves. And I think that that especially for those who got involved during COVID and got their, you know, whatever little stimulus check and decided to go trade their brains out, uh, it was largely an up move once you got over COVID and started receiving your checks. So you had the wind at your back and there were some very nice returns to be made there. And if people had no idea what they were doing in position sizing or risk control or anything else, they could have picked up some very nice profits and bought a new Ferrari if they wanted to. Um, That's not necessarily (laughs) what's going to happen over all of history. You're going to have those down markets and down markets, I figure, are somewhere between 50 to 100 percent faster moving down. Then the up markets are in moving up. So they're very, very dangerous. They'll hit you upside of the head faster than you can react. So you have to think about ways of making money or protecting yourself in those periods. And then there's those 60% of the time, which is more than half, that the market's not going anywhere. And you're sitting there uh, and typically young people are you know, over-caffeinated, very energetic. It's very hard for them to have the patience of an old timer like me who's seen it uh, over and over again, and to just sit there and do nothing or to wait for their setups patiently, which may take days, and realize that that's part of the game 60% of the time. So the all-weather trading concept is to say to yourself, look, I'm going to have different conditions over time, just like sunny day, rainy day, snow, tornado, all sorts of different things thrown at at me weather-wise. It might be nice to have an umbrella. It might be nice to have sunblock when it's sunny. You got to have tools to deal with all these different conditions. And I think that's you can do the same thing in trading. You can certainly trade up markets, and many people know how to buy a stock long. That's no big deal. But how about shorting? How about hedging? How about diversifying into FX or diversifying into futures trading or diversifying into maybe selling some credit spreads on options for sideways periods where those are clean clock routinely over and over again 95 plus percent of the time so you come up with different strategies that you know are going to make money during periods when your long only strategy is going to struggle and strain and that way you become when you add it all up much more all weather you just really don't care what the market's doing you're just you're mr serenity you you don't have to worry about What's happening? You just kind of do what you do every day, and every day is like the, the, the day before.
0: Very well so. said. I would, I would love to hear your take on this. I just recently was talking to a trader <clears throat> who was asking me with the strategy that I'm trading a lot right now. My first take profit is one R, so I risk ten. I'm taking profit at ten, and they're asking me why are you taking profit at one R, one R? Well, through the back test that we ran, the system was sixty percent at win rate with that one to one. So sixty percent right. one to one is profitable. So it's not the most dramatic, most beautiful thing for social media, as you probably know, but the data is what drives the trading decisions. Do you want to speak on how data drives the all weather strategies that you talk about in the book?
1: Yeah, I'll even answer a little bit about your one hour strategy. If and when I do day trade, I take a one hour profit with two thirds of my position, letting the other one third run. That way I cover my potential loss i've now put the profitable uh, it's now a profitable trade so i get a ton of those i would say 60 to 70 percent would be not uncommon many many weeks in a row even and uh, you know there's some days i'll have three in a row that are losers and i'd probably just shut it down and go off and do something else but um that's exactly how I get my reliabilities on the short term day trading up a lot. Just take a one hour profit with two thirds of your position, leave the one third try to trend, follow it, move the stops when you can and right. and and then get down to the end of the day, take the profit and go home.
0: Do you, you think know, people do something else Do you think people turn away from that because they're scared or they're afraid that they can't have a win rate that would get them there the seventy percent sixty percent win rate
1: uh it's hard to simulate it because, of course, intraday data is a little sketchy. Sure. Uh, I've had to build that up over a course of years, I suppose. But, yeah, people are, I think, lack the discipline to do it. I think that's the biggest. The mental side of trading when you get into day trading is just it's everything very, very difficult because you've got to have contingency. If your internet goes down, your broker goes down, the, For sure. your data feed goes down, something happens to you, you're sick, the kid is sick, the the wife asks you uh, you know tells you your car broke down at the intersection of x and x and could you come please help and you're in the middle of a trade you know right. what do you do you got to have plans for all that stuff right. i think the average trader trying to get into the intraday time frame is ill suited mentally to deal with the types of pressures and the types of uh, i guess wrinkles that get thrown at you and i think you know a seasoned veteran like myself i I don't find it any more difficult than breathing. So it's, it's kind of just experience and experience. doing it so many times that right. you just don't even think twice about it. 100%. You just have a sense that I'm willing to risk this, to get that. I've locked in my break even, plus a little something. If you're selling two-thirds at a one hour, you're, you're taking care of a little bit of a sloppy fill, you're taking care of commissions, you're, you basically have a profitable trade because if the one-third that's left goes all the way back to the one hour loss, you're still ahead do you ever so lock you, that
0: stop at entry will you ever put the stop at entry so you can't go negative I just I just
1: follow the strategy so and I move my stops up whenever I can
0: based on structure um, or based on whatever else yeah
1: yeah what it, it, it's the reverse of how I got in so I just wait until it happens and I blow out of it and you know if it's getting close to about half an hour to the end of the day I just go ahead and shut it down and move sure. on to other projects but the thing I like about the way I structured it and again this is something that I think a lot of traders don't do enough of. Uh, you know, the, a lot of people in various positions of education in the industry are always talking about their one way of trading as if it's, I'm trading this way, it's the way to make a lot of money, and you should do it too. I'm a little bit more of the opinion that, you know, everybody's got a different set of capital, different set of skills different mental makeup, different purpose that they're trying to trade, I'm more of the mentality of why not just take your situation and really analyze where you are? What's your capital? How much time can you commit? Uh, What's your knowledge of the markets? What's your knowledge of, say, computers? What's your knowledge of math, statistics? Um, Put it all down on a piece of paper. And then as you're designing something to trade, why not try to take an all weather approach and design something that fits you and your situation and your objective, not Austin, not Tom's yours, because then the glove hits, it fits the the handle a lot nicer and it just feels comfortable. And and you're more likely to be able to execute it flawlessly because it was designed around you executing it flawlessly. And it just takes a lot of the strain and stress off the situation. if I tried to tell somebody that, okay, my one strategy that I day trade, which I rarely do unless I'm sitting at a desk all day, which I hate to do, but you know, if I'm sitting there and I've got to sit there, I might as well go pick up some money. And I tell you what, it's, it's easy for me to do it, but if I told the average person out there how to do it, I gave them every rule, they would screw it up. And so there's almost no point in me doing that. Because there's uh, this if anything, number. I lead them around uh, on a path that uh, to something that's not going to fit them, right. and that's I hate to do that. I try to give people advice that helps, not hurts. Of course, so, and that's um, that's
0: because there's so many different ways to make money. So you really have to exactly. get to the root of your psychology and your belief system, right? Where precisely. like precisely. Somebody- so w- could you give any advice to the younger guys, or maybe if you were talking to a younger Tom, how do I find myself sooner? We don't have to get too esoteric, but like, how, do, how does a trader figure out what will fit for them? Is it simply trial and error?
1: Well, a lot of reading, I mean, the all-weather trader, for instance, is going to cover a lot of aspects of trading all in one place. And I did that intentionally to try to give people a feel for all the different angles on trading that you might consider in trying to be a seasoned veteran like I am, uh, things, lessons that I learned, how I learned them, what I learned from them. Uh, and I'm passing it along to that younger generation. So that's sort of the essence of the book, but there's lots of other books, uh, Tharps trade your way to financial freedom is always a classic in my mind. The market wizards books, uh, in general have a lot of, um, little nuggets buried in there in the interviews trend following masters probably uh some good stuff in there um the book trend following in general if you're into being a trend follower uh, by michael Covell. that's a pff, yay thick it could be a book a, a doorstop if, if you need one it's <laughs> the very textbook. heavy. Uh, it's a textbook on trend following um strangely i'm not in that one <laughs> Maybe, I know that, that is kind of strange in a coming revision, right? Maybe uh, but it's, yeah, a, good so <laughs> it's reading, a good book. So reading,
0: reading is a good way to start to pick up information from way. other people who have you more know, experience than you.
1: Well, and then I, I, you know, I hesitate to bring myself more emails, but um, you know, I've been known that somebody's struggling with a particular concept. Uh, if they can get in touch with me, maybe a direct message on Twitter or uh, ask me a question publicly on Twitter or Facebook or, uh, somehow send me an email uh, i usually respond to every one of those and uh, if they're at all reasonable i mean don't send me uh, an email that says tom how do i start to learn how to trade uh, you know with nothing something specific it's like you mentioned in your successful trader size their positions book that this is how you're doing i don't understand that math because of this and this or which equity you're talking about or whatever be specific and i can help you out. But, uh, you know, the general questions about how do I get started? Right, a, that's, a, that's more than I can do. It's, in a, email, little, it's a little
0: disrespectful to your time, I think. I get those emails too. And it's like, it's a little, like come on, you well, can find this on my YouTube, on Twitter. You've said it a million times. You know, you mentioned Jack Schwager. You mentioned Market yeah. Wizards. And I asked you about him before we started. Can you yeah. tell everybody a little bit about him and what it was like to be interviewed for his book? Because I've never heard you talk oh, about Oh,
1: that, that was so fun. Uh, I was at a Tharp conference as a model trader. So my uh, job Sunday afternoon at one o'clock all the way to the time the conference closed down was to answer trader questions as a quote model trader so jack by um, by friday jack has uh, got his group around him every coffee break and every coffee break i've got a group around me peppering both of us with questions and he noticed this and uh, the crowds were about similar because jack's a rock star and i guess i was too so then uh, saturday morning more of the same but the groups got a little closer together and i could tell jack was sort of listening To what my answers were to some of the questions and he told me later on sunday morning at coffee break he came right over to me and said you know i don't know if you know i'm doing another market wizards book and a lot of people have told me that i should interview you i looked at your stuff but it 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 wasn't really that compelling Uh, but since everybody keeps telling me to interview you i'm kind of intrigued so we go off to some little korean joint down the street at about 12 noon and we're, he's fumbling with his tape recorders and we're trying to get the interview going and we get through and I'm looking at my watch, I said, Jack, you know, I'm supposed to be answering people's questions in about 10 minutes and it's gonna take us that long to walk back there to the hotel. How about you just call me up and start the recorder going and we'll go as long as you wanna go and and when we're done, we're done. And when I'm back home and when you're back home, he says, okay, let's do that. So he, he did that gets it all put together and then this is his process he he gets done with his day of work he makes a pot of coffee this time he was in new york and uh he stays up all night listening to the recording and typing out what he wants to type out then he gets that all done reads it edits it he sends it to the trader which he did for me federal express package shows up and i got to read it and it came in about 11 o'clock in the morning and i read it during lunch Call him up after lunch. Jack, I got the copy. I've already read it. Uh, do you want uh, the comment? Yeah. Uh, page eight, second paragraph, last sentence. You misspelled the word. Boom. Okay. What's next? That's it. <laughs> big, pr- big pregnant pause. And he think, and I need nothing from Schrager. And I, he said, that's it. I said, yeah, that's the only mistake I could see that you made in other pregnant paws." So you're saying you're okay with me publishing that entire interview the way I wrote it? I said, yeah. What's wrong with that? Right. He said nothing, but this is the first time this has ever happened. Really? Most people, I've, I've had a lot of traders tell me after they read the interview, they don't want it published at all, and I have to cancel the chapter. Wow. And others basically take what I wrote and completely rewrite the entire interview, which has nothing remotely resembling what we talked about. And they want me to publish that. And you're just okay with whatever I did. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then he says, are you okay with me calling you Mr. Serenity? And I said, Jack, it's your book. You can call me anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he said holy crap this was the easiest chapter i've ever written in two books and uh and that was the story behind it and uh, he said i'm not sure whether the publisher will want to publish your chapter but i found it to be a lot of fun to to think about what the things you were talking about and all that and uh i hope he picks you as one of the chapters and of course he did and the rest is history and i'm mr serenity That's for the amazing. last whatever 20 years now i guess or something.
0: So why do you think that is? Why do you think some of the traders, was it because they realized they put their strategy to paper and they didn't want to share it?
1: Maybe, or they're uncomfortable. They lack self-esteem. They lack self-confidence. They, um, they're not into public scrutiny, scrutiny, uh, you know, and I I really don't have anything. I mean, I I've done nothing but help people all my life. And I feel like that's what I do. I get enjoyment out of that. And, so anything i can do to help get some concepts out there to help people that come after me i mean larry Hyatt, i give full credit to uh in the first market wizards book larry's uh i've talked to him on the phone a few times since his latest book and um larry when he mentioned uh, making your uh, risk bet on every trade on every position the same that immediately hit my brain and my mathematical engineering background said whoa he's doing some kind of a risk as a percent of equity, probably. And uh, that's how I got all those formulas and successful traders size their positions book came out of that one interview with Larry Height uh, wow. in Newmark in the first market wizards. And so, you know, I'm doing the same thing kind of with all weather trading. I'm trying to pass it on to uh, next generation young yeah. studs out there that are just starting out and, probably have no idea what they're doing <laughs> probably like a, that
0: is very true for a majority of them a hundred percent
1: what i do remember my 20s vaguely yeah, a long maybe, time ago
0: what what were you doing in your 20s remind me i know we talked about your story oh god first.
1: i was a chemical engineer I right was, you were working for
0: doing some engineering stuff i remember i was
1: i was designing distillation columns and wait is it true? and pumps mm-hmm.
0: steve burns told me that he heard you say that if you could go back, you might never have started or gotten into Trendstat. You might have stayed as an engineer. Is that true?
1: It could have. Uh, it, it depends on when you're saying that. At the okay. time that I did it, I sort of, one thing led to another, and I became a money manager. I didn't intentionally start out right, that's what he thinking was to myself, yeah, I didn't say, wow, I got an engineering degree in chemical engineering, and I'm making huge money and i should uh, work for the next 7 years and then just quit engineering and go start a money management firm that was insane why would why would i ever think that right. so but back in those days if you started posting a good track record people started looking you up and they started throwing money at you to manage and one thing led to another and pretty soon we're managing I think when I left the chemical company I was uh, we were at 7 million dollars under management wow. on a part-time basis.
0: That's crazy. And I
1: took no hit in my salary whatsoever. I left I was making like 30,000 a year which was a lot of money back then in the in the 70s and I literally uh paid myself 30,000 starting up the investment advisory operation and getting the office lease done and getting the computers in and starting to raise more capital. And by the time we hit about 17 million, I had two more partners out of their engineering jobs and we were off and running. And when we got to about 80 million under management, I sold my share in that company and started up Trendstat and never looked back. And but it kind of just one thing led to another. It just spiral thing. You and, never went uh, into
0: it saying, I want to start this big hedge fund. That was never the Hell problem. no. And no. if you
1: look at today, you know, I get a lot of guys that run by me and they'll say something like, Tom, I'd like to, you know, become a successful trader because I want to become a CTA or I want to right. be an FX trader or whatever. And I, I want to manage other people's monies. And whoa, that's uh, in today's world, a daunting task compared yes. to where I started out because, No longer is it just your track record. It's uh, it's how many people do you have. If you die, who takes over? Uh, How do you what do you what's your backup situation? What's your emergency plan in case the power goes down, the Internet goes down? Um, How much capacity do you have with your strategy? The due diligence in today's world. Almost requires you have a team of five people and 100 million under management before people will even interview you. It's crazy. They won't even talk to you. It's crazy. It is unbelievable. And how do you start out from nothing and all of a sudden have a team of five people and 100 million under management? It's just almost impossible. It's almost impossible. And the fact that Standpoint started this mutual fund back just before COVID with zero dollars, zero track record. Admittedly, Eric had a reputation and that was very helpful. And admittedly, I have some reputation, which was probably helpful. Definitely. But but three years later, they're number one in their category. Really? They produced a beautiful positive return and they've got five hundred right today. We've got six hundred million under management, wow. is where we are right now. Wow. That's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I I, I been involved in it, and I've watched it, and I still can't believe it. It's, it's just very rare to have something uh, come out that kind of story. Is it strategy uh, they, that's
0: leading to that success? What is it that has made them so? It's successful? a
1: combination, I guess, of everything. I mean, sure. you know, we got five people. They each have very, very, uh, they're very, very good at what they do. The marketing guy's very good. The operations guy very good. The the lady that runs our accounting and back office is very good. We've added a sixth person. Eric is very sharp. He's uh, every bit as steeped in all weather trading as I am, has a completely different wrinkle that he puts to the problem because he's got a different challenge than I do. I solved my own financial puzzle and he solved the financial puzzle of running a multi-billion dollar potentially mutual fund uh, doing uh, equities and futures. So he had a different problem to solve. So he came to a different solution. But I think the concepts are solid in both cases. And I think that that's the the lesson to be learned is to be well capitalized, be well, uh, you know, personal. uh, You have have enough people around to fit the bill and be able to survive for probably three to five years. It's a brutal way to start a business these days. So I find myself advising young guys, if they're in their 20s, You're thinking of becoming a commodity trading advisor. One thing you might want to think about is if you've got a day job as a chemical engineer, let's say, and you can put away a lot of money, how about you learn to become a great trader and trade your own account and make it grow a lot faster than anybody else's. With less tape. And then basically get to a point where you can pay yourself out of your trading account enough to supplant your engineering salary and just retire at that point like I did. And I think that that's kind of more the logical advice in today's world with all the ability to do stuff out of your own house, your own office. You have the freedom to take a day off if you wish, depending on your trading strategy. Um, there's just so many compelling positives to it. And it's more of a a logical if you work hard enough and keep going down the path you 're more likely to achieve what you 're trying to achieve. If you go into the cta business there's so many ifs that may never come to pass that you may have a very difficult time pulling you, pulling that off and if, if you do hey you're you 're a multimillionaire right if you don 't you 're kind of way behind the eight ball compared to where you would have been if you had just gone ahead and um, just saved your money and traded your own account so it's, I leave it to everybody uh, to really decide on their own. But uh, I've been giving that advice a lot more lately because I really love the way my retirement's working out.
0: I'm, I know. That's, I think that li- I talk sometimes about like how when you get into trading, you get roped into looking at screens all day but did you get into trading for that reason? Did you get into, did anyone really get into this business to be stuck at a desk all day? So then it comes no, down to like, right. So then it's like, what is your reason for trading? Well, I want to make money, take control of my time back. Okay. You need to be properly, properly capitalized. And that's where nowadays, instead of starting a firm or a fund, I feel like now a lot of traders, the, I see these kids, like young kids younger than me, 18, 19, they get linked up with a prop firm and they're making hundred thousand dollars in a month. It's crazy yeah. the returns I'm seeing. So I, I totally agree with you. Why push yourself with all the red tape and all the potential legalities when you can just work with a firm, if you can really trade well? If you're so confident, the money's there now more than ever, right?
1: And, and always remember that the clients that you are managing money for do not know what you know. Right? They are not a seasoned trader. You're going to go through the ups and downs. You go into a drawdown, the clients are going to ask you what end up being almost stupid questions that anybody that has any experience in the markets would know the answer to, but they don't know the answer and it's their money after all. So they have every right to ask the question and you find yourself answering these same questions over and over again. And they're so inane. And then the same clients a year from now will ask you that same question all over again and you'll repeat the answer one more time. And eventually they'll get tired of asking you the question and just fire you. Right. And then you're thinking to yourself, well gosh, you know, I thought I did everything I was supposed to do as a money manager, but they fired me. So I have to go out and market and replace that money with other money. And you got employees that want their salary and they want to take vacations. They want to leave at Christmas. Okay. Who's going to staff the office at Christmas? You can't all leave at the same time. All these things of running a business and bureaucracy, of course, and government has just made running a business so much more difficult. So I tell you, 20 years ago, when I retired, I put a smile on my face. It's been there ever since. I'm a poster child for retirement.
0: Did you have hobbies while you were like doing the engineering? I did. I, going. well,
1: I certainly like golf. I, that, that would You've be a, golf. A, a lasting hobby throughout most of my life. Yeah, I love singing. I I'm in two choral groups now. and uh, My last name is Basso, which is the bass voice in the choir. Right. So I joke around that I'm really Tom, the Basso Basso. <laughs> um, when I sing and we sing in a charity group uh, that raises money for kids primarily awesome. that for uh, summer vocal camps, uh, vocal coaching. Uh, we give scholarships to uh, kids to take vocal lessons or to go on to get music awesome. degrees. I think we raised this spring close to $20,000 to wow. give out. Uh, That's amazing. And everybody in the group is former, gosh, they've had Broadway experience, they're really? professional singers in some wow. cases. I feel like I have to really step up to carry my own uh, in this group and uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, Brenda and I sing in a uh, church choir as well. Nice. So that's once a week practice and then Sunday morning to sing. And so we get, our voices are pretty strong at uh, 70 plus years old. I love and that. it, that's a, a, a fun hobby because when you're singing, man, your brain's on fire. You got to be able to read the music, goes into your head, you got to instruct your vocal cords, what to do with the sound and hit the note. Sure. And you're reading like crazy, the lyrics fast. You're memorizing as you go kind of. And I tell you what, it's, man, it's great for uh, fighting senility. I I think Uh, when you get done with a practice, two hours, your brain's on fire so much. You have a hard time going to sleep. Oh,
0: I bet. Do you recommend that traders find hobbies or do you think a new trader should
1: just go all in on trading? No, I, I think that a lot of people and, and I would say this about all occupations uh, you'll find people you know whatever they're they're a sale traveling salesman and they'll you ask them well, what do you do or whatever and rather than say something about well I'm a father I'm a husband I'm uh, uh, an elder at my church or I'm a uh, uh, I, I like to sing or I like to golf, the first thing out of their mouth would be, I'm a traveling salesman. They, A lot of people, including traders, they say, okay, I'm a trader. And that's uh, to to tie your identity up with your profession or how you make money is a big mistake in my mind because there's so much of the world out there Uh, to be able to have fun with and to enjoy things like golf or things like working out. I know you work out a lot. Uh, Things like doing these interviews that this is not trading to you. This is you and me having fun chatting. Right. And those types of enjoyable side trips in life uh, are what in my mind make life worth living Uh, trading, sitting in front of a darn screen all day, making by the cells. I don't care if you make millions every, what's the point, uh, you know, to label yourself as a trader to the detriment of your family life, your, a, your a husband or your wife, you're a father or mother, you're a cousin to somebody. There's so many aspects to what you do in the world as part of society. I think it, I mean, what am I, I mean, a lot of people think I'm a great trader, but I'm an author. I sing, I golf, I make wine in the summer up in my mountain home. I, I'm now remodeling a home. I'm, uh, tomorrow, I'm going to go over to the new project and, and doodle with some electrical drawings that I'm creating to tell the electrician what I envision for lighting and switching and you know control of the intensity of the light and those types of things. I mean, there's just so much that I do in my life. Trading is just something I do for a half an hour a day. Now, yeah, I've had a lot of trading experience, 50 years, and I've done a lot of things, but I don't consider myself a trader. I consider myself uh, uh, sort of a renaissance guy that also trades as one thing of many that I do. And I, I like think that. that that's a better description of, of my life, if you looked at it. And I think I, I would encourage people to do that in their own life. Don't make trading everything. Your life will be very shallow
0: very shallow and probably very short stress yourself out stress (laughs) kills like you don't need to be doing that right that's really
1: it hell you look at some of these guys in market wizards that were burning it up they're in drug rehab or they were in alcohol rehab or they had to retire young because they couldn't take the strain and move to real estate or something or they went bankrupt or you know half of the guys in market wizards never even made it to old age uh crazy uh, one of my good friends in the cta business uh, committed suicide down in dallas uh I mean, there's just been all sorts of nasty stuff that happens. Why are you doing that to yourself? That doesn't make any sense to me. Human it's not greed logical.
0: overpowers us, Tom. You know, human yeah. greed is, is nasty. When it rears its head, it, it'll take control of your whole life. That's why there's Gamblers Anonymous and they, you can call for help <laughs> and, and Alcoholics Anonymous. You know what I mean? That's, that's why there's yeah. helplines for people that can't help themselves. Yeah, Tom, Van,
1: the, the late, great Van Tharp said yeah. that when he interviewed a bunch of New York uh, uh, t- traders on Wall Street, he said, somewhere about thirty to thirty-five percent of them were certifiable according to the ten criteria listed by Gamblers Anonymous. If you applied that to trading, they were they that. were wow. Gamblers Anonymous candidates. It's wow. thirty to thirty-five percent of the people on Wall Street. Wow, that's insane.
0: That is insane. That is actually crazy when you think about yep. it. Yep, that's wild. Yep. Let's pivot for a second, Tom. Okay. Talk, to us, talk to us about trends that you've seen over the last year because specifically we ran a back test on that strategy I mentioned trending signals crushed it in 2022 to the downside especially now in yeah. the last 12 months it has not so speak on that a little bit talk to us about yeah uh,
1: the hedges worked out pretty well in 2022 so I made money there uh, in the last this year Uh, I'm still in a drawdown small one, but um, we're picking up a lot. The stock market in the last month or two has sort of been sideways, but things like bonds with a few rare exceptions of interest rates have been going up. The Fed had been very steady in trying to keep raising interest rates, whether you agree with it or not. And there's lots of debate over that. Um, I just go with the trend and I don't don't enter the discussion in terms of uh, structuring my trading around it. The trend now is down in bonds and I'm short, simple as that. I don't question it, I don't worry about it, but it has been profitable. Uh, With the orange juice move earlier in the year, that has been very profitable. There's been some really nice moves in cotton, uh, uh, a nice move in coffee. Uh, So some of the strange markets that really some of the big CTAs can't even get involved in because they're just not enough volume. A guy like me is just an individual trader with, you know, a decent size account, admittedly, but not like 300 million or or whatever. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. I can go in and run a few contracts into the coffee market or orange juice market. Nobody's going to notice me. So I can pick up some of these very nice returns. Uh, A guy in Phoenix here actually is trading milk and he's made a huge amount of money on milk to the downside.
0: anybody Uh, short the lumber pullback after i did
1: i've made a lot of money in lumber both in 2022 and in 2023 it's been highly profitable to me and now they've um, switched the lumber contract from its old random length contract to some kind of a new i think it's can be delivered in multiple locations and it's got a much more broad um, uh, contract size and ease of doing everything so It's promising to be a better contract. And they've started trading that in the last month. And uh, I'm trading that now. And so far, so good.
0: How about platinum, palladium, anything there? Because I know those are platinum.
1: uh, Platinum's been less than exciting, except for a week here and a week there. Uh, It seems like it's chopped a little bit. There's been some moves, but there's been enough chop to where it kind of eats up the profits from the moves. Uh, I'm not trading palladium right now, uh, just platinum and uh, of course silver and gold have had some nice runs uh in any one week it, it doesn't seem like they like to carry very far no it doesn't i was just
0: gonna say i feel like last time we spoke gold was still around 2000 and here we are yeah, older still... we are more handsome but still gold at 2000 you know what i'm saying so it's it's <laughs> crazy to me that that's them. no you're <laughs> more
1: handsome i'm just
0: uh... no tom you you ate <laughs> like that fine wine ever. that you're making tom what do you think do you ever like just to Tin foil hat for a second with me. How has gold held down so long? Like with inflation rearing its head last year, how is this not a $5,000, $4,000 price?
1: Well, gold is like a lot of things. It's almost the same as I put Bitcoin in this category. I put many things in this category. You know, if you have a useful nature, uh, you know, if if somebody's going to buy a cup of coffee, let's say, at Starbucks, and the coffee has to come from someplace, and it has to be harvested and produced and roasted and all that stuff, there's a certain intrinsic value to one pound of coffee. And you could argue that it could be higher or lower based on supply and demand. When you get into the golds of the world, it's not like we need gold to make the evening meal or anything. It's just... It trades at whatever people want to trade it at. So if there's a buyer and seller come together and it's two thousand an ounce, that's fine. If it wants to be two thousand and five dollars an ounce the next tick, then it's two thousand and five. Whatever it is, there's no inherent value of two thousand and five worth of one ounce of gold. So point. you you end up with these markets that are pure speculative. There's really not quite the hedging purpose for it except to sell it like the hedgers are more like brokers trying to hedge their position of selling gold to the public that's not exactly an industrial use silver has some industrial uses at some point you know i'm sure platinum palladium palladium with the uh uh, they they put it in the resins for the uh, climate control the smog control on the uh, mufflers and catalytic converters in the cars but Mm. in reality there's just not these industrial uses that set the price at, like lumber. You know, if you're gonna build a house, you gotta go buy lumber. It's worth X because the house is worth Y. Sure. And uh, you can figure those things out a little bit, but gold and silver just meander around with whatever. And so I think the answer to your question ultimately is if people are not concerned about inflation yet, or if they're not panicked into something and thinking that gold is the answer because gold may or may not be the answer, Maybe Bitcoin is the answer this time around and gold will sit there and languish for the next decade. Right. Or maybe gold will fire up and Bitcoin will get killed. Right. Uh, it's hard to predict.
0: It's very hard to predict. Do you think more regulation is coming for crypto in your experience? Do you think when probably new, new markets yeah, because, always of uh, that?
1: I think they'll do that because I think they're going to find that a lot of illicit uses are probably being put into place for use of uh, various cryptos. And it's hard for the government to track stuff. And then the other side of it is the stupidity, I guess, uh, I think of some of these brokerage firms who are allowing people to come in and do uh, crypto trading on leverage and sometimes insane leverage. And then the firm can't handle the risk control. And if somebody takes a wrong position, or a position that goes against them big time, and then the firm can't handle the losses, and then they have to go bankrupt, and then they have to bring in receivers, and then they have to have somebody come in and try to take over the mess. If you just use a a little bit of common sense from the firm standpoint and set these things up so they weren't so leveraged, you'd be way, way ahead of it. And I think the various crypto markets would be more stable. But if they're not willing to do it voluntarily, maybe governments are going to have to step in and try to Say, OK, we'll let you take some leverage, but only two to one like we do in the stock market or something like that. And, uh, you know, maybe the same thing with FX. It could be It's the FX situation is a little different because when you're trading a Japanese yen, you've got the Bank of Japan and you've got the U.S. Treasury and neither side of that equation can control the other. And, so and they don't have do a it,
0: phone either that they're talking to no, each other.
1: Wow. it's kind of interesting in that currencies are very hard to regulate because uh, from my fx days you know when the CFTC would come in and or nfa would come in and try to regulate me and i'd show them the fx stuff of my business they'd look at that and go what the heck is that <laughs> <laughs> and i'd have to teach them what an fx uh, position is what it what it amounts to and they would shake their heads and walk away and Leave me alone for the. Most I feel part, like that's but, almost
0: kind of how they've treated crypto up until recently. Where now you're hearing more talk about regulation. That's exactly well, the same thing. Be,
1: because I think there's less FX that has you know taken whole banks under. There have been a few, but uh, not recently. But the no, crypto stuff, There's out. been a lot of you know just really stupid stuff going stupid on, stuff. and it's pretty simple to to do a post analysis of that and say what the heck were you thinking you know, are, are you
0: speaking specifically silicon valley
1: well that and uh you know silicon valley bank and you the what's the other one uh FTX, you know, coinbase has had to shut down because of they've had some liquidity problems and then they've had what uh, binance has had some trying to figure out how you know they had to close down withdrawals for a while yeah you saw that yesterday much. they they suspended it again yesterday for a few hours you know
0: imagine that
1: what imagine yeah, it doesn't make any sense if the mm-hmm. market's out there. What is the problem with just executing more trades? Well, and then they give it an excuse, so maintenance leverage. or
0: something like that. Yeah, right. Right.
1: There's right. A whole lot of <laughs> right. But I I just think that uh, yeah, modest amounts of regulation might set some guidelines and get people 100%. thinking a little bit more sensibly. Uh, there still could be some situations where. It could be a run on the bank or uh, some tough times. But generally speaking, it's a lot in trading is about leverage. The more risk you take on, the more leverage you take on. You look at a lot of disasters over history, and it's leverage that uh, went against the, the trader, and they didn't have enough to get out of the way. Yep. That's,
0: that's well said. Well, listen, Tom, this has been great. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to make sure that everybody has links to your Twitter so they can reach out to you in the description to the video. I'm going to make sure the book is linked so everybody can grab a copy. Any last words you want to leave the audience with? Anything to prep for the rest of this year that we could think on? Don't stress ourselves out too much. Is that that Don't
1: stress ourselves out. Don't think of yourself as a trader. Think of you as a person that trades. Go get a copy of the All Weather Trader and read it and enjoy the ride.
0: I love it. Thank you Tom. It's a pleasure. Everybody, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you very much for listening.
1: See you. Austin.